the last times I've been with you, and it's been some time ago that I was, we've been working through sermons on James, and this morning we'll be looking at the next verses, and that's the verses 26 and 27 of James, which speaks about the character of true religion and how that is to control the tongue, to visit the afflicted, and to stay pure in this world in the passages that we read also speak to that. So let's first read Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning at verse 12. Hear now the word of our God, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him, and by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. And then we turn to the letter of James, chapter 3. James, chapter 3, and we'll read the verses 1 through 12. James 3, 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? 
neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So far the reading of Holy Scripture. Let's now sing Psalm 146, the stanzas 1, 3, and 5. We find that in James chapter 1, the verses 26 and 27. These words, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So far. And after the sermon, we will sing in response Psalm 68, the stanzas 3 and 12. And in that psalm, it also speaks about how the Lord cares for widows and orphans and that that care is through his people. theme for the sermon is the Lord's instruction regarding the character of true religion. And we will look at three things. True religion is this. First, to control the tongue. Second, to visit the afflicted. And third, to stay pure in the world. Dear brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sure that most of you, if not all of you, have heard people speak rather negatively about religion. Those who have been turned off by what they have experienced in a church will make statements such as, organized religion is stifling and a bit of a joke. I don't need religion to believe in God, to be in a relationship with Jesus, or to be a good person. I don't need to go to church. A religion just forces you into a mold where everyone ends up thinking, speaking, and sounding the same, and doing things according to their brand of Christianity. And to be quite truthful, I don't need all that religious malarkey. It's true, of course, that the cry of the Spirit, both in the Old and New Testament, is that we should not make religion into an outward form with no substance. The law, the prophets, and the Psalms warn repeatedly against pseudo-religion, a religion of outward piety. Our Lord Jesus spoke against those who held the form of religion, but who denied its power. People who simply went through the rituals, the regulations of religion without there being a living relationship with the Lord. The outward manifestation of religion is entirely worthless if we are lacking in an inner commitment. The Lord spoke out against those who served him with their lips, but whose heart was far removed from him. Now, that being said, we shouldn't walk away from here thinking 
A relationship with God and religion is mutually exclusive. For the problem is not with religion, but with the sinful heart that misuses what God intended the Christian religion to be. People target religion. But the problem is not with the regulative principles of worship or with what we do as people of God. The problem is with the deception of the human heart that twists and warps religion. We can know the right words to say. Have the songs down pat. Know when to stand and when to sit down. Give regularly to Christian work and say the right things at a visit with the elders. But all religious activity and pious words are worthless if they lack the substance of the gospel of Christ. And if they give no indication of the transforming power of the spirit within us. So what is the religion God accepts? Before that, we answer that question, we need to answer another. What is religion? Simply put, religion is the outward manifestation of what God is doing in us. James, as a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus, does not leave us in the dark, but answers this question throughout his letter. The emphasis of this letter is this. Those who know the saving power of Jesus Christ, those who know the grace of God, are to serve God with an undivided heart, lingering at the mirror of his perfect law, where they see their own sinfulness, but also behold the face of their Savior. The essence of true religion emerges, emerges from an internal reality. The outward patterns of our life are a result of the working of the Holy Spirit within us. So we deceive ourselves. If we think religion is nothing more than coming to church on the Lord's Day, listening to a sermon, reading the Bible and praying at our meals, sending our children to Christian schools, When you arrived into this world as a little baby, you couldn't hide the fact that you were born. Everyone knew that you arrived. And the same must be said of our rebirth. Evidence of our rebirth cannot remain hidden away behind closed doors. When the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit takes hold of your life, you will see results. Others will see that God has visited you with his salvation. And so James puts before us how our lives cannot be the same when we come under the influence of the Spirit through the word that he has given to us. True religion, religion that is pure and undefiled, is rooted in Christ and his finished redemptive work. In Christ's love, compassion, kindness, and mercy. And when we come to understand this, we will also grasp that being religious isn't the same as 
being known to others as moral, charitable, hospitable, or people that do not use bad language. That's a deduction that we might be tempted to make from this text, which isn't valid. You you may have made the mistake yourself. Someone asks you, so how do you go about showing yourself to be Christian? And you respond by saying, well, I don't swear. I don't drink excessively. I try to be friendly to others, and I have a deep concern for the unborn. But that's not what makes you Christian or religious. We shouldn't reduce religion or equate religion with a certain moralism or humanitarianism. True religion is this. The Lord Jesus has made you his own by his grace. And through the word of truth and who you are as one moved by the Spirit will be on display in how you talk and in the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit. So James 1 verse 26 and 27 are to be read in the light of the whole gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is to be read in light of what stands central to chapter 1. Namely, the words of chapter 1, verse 18, where James writes, God chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Do you understand what that verse is saying? It is God who takes the initiative, uses the instrument of his word, and makes clear what his intention is for all that goes on in our lives. True religion is the outworking of what God is working within us. A true religion, as explained in the verses 26 and 27, give evidence of what Christ, through the renewing power of the Holy Spirit, does in the heart of a sinner. To profess faith in Christ, love for him and for his word, And then to live an unchanged life is unthinkable. James does not give a complete or comprehensive picture of religion with what he writes in the verses 26 and 27. But he gives three illustrations, three characteristics of true religion. A controlled tongue, a compassionate heart, and a clean manner of living. First of all, as a consequence of the word of truth working in in us, our tongues will be controlled and brought under the control of the Holy Spirit. James writes, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Let's think about this a little deeper. What you say with your mouth, what rolls or trips off your tongue, says a lot about you. In our church community, we speak a lot about attestations and the importance of attestations. While your tongue is an attestation, 
a witness, a living testimony of what lives in your heart. If a Christian has no control of his tongue, he does not work out what the Lord is working in him. An unbridled, an unrestrained tongue unmasks a person who lacks the fruit of the Spirit, namely self-control. What crosses your lips is an index of what you are at the core of your person. Your mouth is the gateway to your heart. And to claim you know Christ while your tongue is unbridled gives evidence of self-deception. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God has the heart ruled by the Holy Spirit and consequently the tongue controlled by the love of Christ. And the issue is an important one. For John returns to it in chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, and then again in chapter 4 and 5. And the point James makes in our text confirms what our Lord Jesus declared in Matthew 12, verse 37, when he said, For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Our words reveal our heart and are an indicator of the depth of our spiritual life and of our religion. It's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, to use another phrase of our Lord Jesus. The unbridled tongue is the self-justifying speech that says things against God, blaming him for the things that go wrong in our life, The uncontrolled tongue is the tongue that that flatters and grooms others for our own gain. The uncontrolled tongue praises God while in church, but boasts about oneself and brings others down the rest of the week. The uncontrolled tongue is careless, hasty, and insensitive. The uncontrolled tongue has no filters. James writes, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And the word James uses for worthless means accomplishing nothing. Religion that sings psalms and hymns on the Lord's day, but uses that same tongue to utter things from Monday to Saturday that are the very opposite of what we confess accomplishes nothing. For when our hearts are ruled by people and by our environment and not by Christ, then that will be reflected in what comes out from our tongue. Real religion calls for our mouths and lips and tongues to be ruled by a love for the Lord Jesus For the word of truth, true religion reflects what the Spirit is doing in our hearts through the hearing of the word. With hearts on fire, our tongues are controlled by the flame of the word. That's the first test of true religion. Now you might be thinking, well that's easy for you to say. Mr. Sit in your study all week. 
If you had to work where I do, and you hear what I have to put up with, you'd have a pretty hard time too. But such statements are really beside the point, aren't they? I am called to control my tongue as much as anyone else. This is not about religious five-star or gold-star ratings. The first test of true religion is just as much for me as it is for you. And that test comes for me in what I preach and teach and the way my sentences are formulated, but also for when I am annoyed, misunderstood, challenged in my thinking by others. What you and I say must reveal a new heart that is rich in Christ and follows his example. Peter brings this to our attention in his first letter. He writes in chapter 2, verse 21 through 23, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin. No guile was found on his lips. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he trusted to him who judges justly. Do you understand what this means? Brothers and sisters, let not your tongues contradict what you have learned from Christ. Use your tongue to praise the Lord, to speak of his glorious deeds, to encourage fellow believers, to instruct in the wisdom of God, to build and heal relationships and practice that where it is most comfortable within the environment of your own home. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God. That also involves visiting the afflicted in their needs, which brings us to our second point. James says in verse 27, religion that is pure, that is clean and the real thing and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit, to look after orphans and widows in their affliction, that is in their troubles, trials and tribulations. So it's clear from this text as it is from many others that the care of the afflicted is the duty of the church. And here, it is specified as a sign of truly religious people. The widow and the orphan are the lonely and afflicted people, are to be shown the love and compassion and kindness of the Lord. Orphans and widows are mentioned specifically because if the church community is to show to the world around us that the love of Christ is in our hearts, it will be visible in acts of kindness and compassion to those who are vulnerable and need the protection of others, to those who may not be able to give anything in return. God expects us to look after people who bear a heavy burden, who are in distress and troubled who suffer and who are lonely. 
And that starts in our care for widows in the church. But it is not limited to them. It also extends to the lonely and the destitute in our community. We show the love and compassion of Christ without leaving this to others. And the Lord our God has always had a special concern for the lonely and those in distress. Psalm 68, which we will sing, praises the Lord because he is the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows. And he gives this protection to his people in his holy habitation. In the church, the Lord gives the desolate a home to dwell in. You and I are called to protect and provide for the widow and the orphan. The book of Deuteronomy gives specific direction as to how the people of the Lord were to show compassion to the afflicted by providing for their needs. The fatherless and the widows were not left to fend for themselves. The people of the covenant were instructed to practice religion by making sure widows and orphans were included in the religious festivals and the occasions in which the church celebrated the goodness and mercy of God. For the church is to reflect God's care, God's compassion, by looking after orphans and widows. And if God's care doesn't filter through us to them, our religious service is void of any meaning. True religion calls me to step out of my own world, to reach out to those in need with genuine acts of kindness that are a fruit of the Holy Spirit at work in my heart. Oh, we can easily fill our weeks with so many meetings, fundraisers, sports events, activities that our kids are involved in, that we are running and we're tired. But have we robbed religion of its power, of the compassion, kindness, love we as a church are called to show? And this is not a question that I pose to berate you, but in order that you and I, transformed by the Spirit of Christ, should give glory to God. It's so easy for us to get caught up doing things in our own family circle, in focusing on immediate family and on our group of friends. But let us not forget to put on, the display, put on display the compassion and kindness God has shown by reaching out to those who suffer and are afflicted. Such compassion and kindness, visiting those in distress is not a task simply reserved for those who are elders or deacons or ministers. But you will have a heart for, for this work as one whose religion is pure and undefiled. Pure and undefiled religion is on display when we love people and show kindness and compassion to the most vulnerable and distressed. The term James uses for visiting orphans and widows implies a continual awareness 
a persistent ministry. We mirror and reflect the love, mercy, compassion, and love of Christ. It describes a heart that is mindful of the needs of others and seeks to provide help to them. When we show compassion to the afflicted and care for the lonely, comforting them with the word of God in word and deed, God comes to them through us. And a remarkable example of how this works is given to us in the book of Luke. The Lord Jesus raises from the dead the son of the widow of Nain. And then we read, Jesus gave him to his mother. Why? Well, as a widow, she needed her her only son. And the Lord, in his act of kindness and compassion, gives her son back to her. That's religion pure and undefiled. And how do those who see this react? They glorify God and they say, God has visited his people. Knowing that God is the father of the fatherless and has special concern for the widow and seeing the compassion of the Lord Jesus, the people exclaim, God showed up. Because this is what God is like. And when the church today shows compassion and kindness to the needs of humanity, starting within the church and then broadening that to the surrounding community, then in a very graphic way, those who see it and those who experience it can exclaim, God showed up. That's our great privilege as people of God. Pure and undefiled religion is not about all the things we do, but it it proclaims, God has showed up through the people I have called to help the needy. God showed up when he visited his people with redemption in Jesus, and he shows up through the ministry of the church that reflects that ministry of Christ. He wants all to experience his care and compassion through us, not through random acts of kindness, but constant acts of kindness to those who may not be able to give anything in return. And the final characteristic of real religion is to keep oneself unstained from the world. And James uses the word world more often in this letter. And each time it refers to the system, culture, and lifestyle around us which is alienated from the Lord. So real religion is this, to constantly and repeatedly keep ourselves from being stained by the world. And practically speaking, this means that the culture of the day does not dictate how we act. But we take our cue from the word of God. And note well, a person is not saved because he keeps himself unstained from the world. A true believer 
keeps himself unstained from the world because he is saved through Jesus. As we all know, the culture bombards our eyes, ears, thoughts, and imagination with its philosophy, leading us to belief that if we don't follow its standard, we are bound to lose out. If we don't follow what's going on today, then really, what time period in history are we coming from? It attempts to erode our values and standards. It clamors for our time, money, and our energy. And as a result, we might be tempted to adopt a general way of life which is not discernibly different from those who do not know Christ. Or we might argue that we need to show ourselves one with our culture if the gospel is ever going to make any inroads and have an impact on our present culture. But brothers and sisters, let's not forget that those transformed by the Spirit may not be conformed to this world. Being in the world, we are not of the world. The values of our culture so often contradict God's desires. And that is why James will write in chapter 4, verse 4, that friendship with the world is hatred toward God. While knowing the message of the cross, let us show true thankfulness with a religion that runs deeper than outward observance and rituals. Oh, we all fail, and sometimes very miserably. But let each of us go back to the standard of true religion so that it may never be said of you or me. They may have been in church but their heart was really in the world. Those who have heard the word of the Lord will control the use of their tongues. They will have compassionate hearts and they will keep themselves from a world defiled with sin. Well, brothers and sisters, if this morning's message has unmasked something in your own heart that is lacking or phony, In your religion. See this as a time to seek the Lord for his mercy. And to look to Jesus whose love and kindness you are to mirror. And pray that your relationship with God is one of undivided devotion. And that your religion before God is pure and undefiled. So that. When the report about you is heard, others may conclude the Lord has visited his people. Yes, God showed up. Amen.